0: Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Happy Travel Tuesday, everyone out there. I hope your week is off to a great start, better start than mine has been. As you can tell, I'm a little nasally, so bear with me on that. I got a little common cold running through the Bowman household here, picked up from the two-year-old, so, um, you know, life of a new dad, I guess, out there. So we got a great show, though, coming up today. Um, before bringing on today's guest, a couple events for my travel advisor listeners out there. Want to improve your villa bookings? Be sure to tune in to Rental Escapes webinar, March 29th at 2 p.m. Eastern. And for more info on how to earn higher commissions on villa bookings, you can register at TravelPulse.com backslash webinars. And speaking of high commissions, luxury travel holds the key to big bucks. So advisors definitely want to plan to attend the Luxury Travel Expo on April 20th and April 20th, 21st. You can register at VirtualTravelEvents.com. And now joining me on the show today is Rhonda Helton, owner of the Travel Connection Group. Rhonda, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me on today.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself.
1: Uh, I'm the owner and luxury travel designer of the travel connection group. And we're based here in the St. Louis area. Uh, We specialize in highly curated luxury bucket list adventures. Um, And our goal is not only to assist our clients with their travels, but hope each client returns with a deeper appreciation of our beautiful world. And we, we love finding, Experiences where we can immerse our clients within destinations, food, people, even the stories that they hear along the way. Um, and we know by providing these impactful experiences we know that we can walk they'll walk away forever changed so um this week actually is a milestone for us on thursday we will celebrate seven years being in business and and we recently brought on two new agents due to the demand that uh covid has uh, i should say provided the demand now um so it's uh, we're, we're growing and doing great things so we're excited to have this around
0: now so <laughs> wonderful yeah that's fantastic about uh, your anniversary there congratulations yeah, on that so yeah so, it's an exciting week. Yeah. Yeah. so uh, since we're at the two- year mark now of the uh, first week yes. of lockdown quarantines, Rhonda and I oh, will yes. discuss uh, the, we'll discuss how these last two years have changed the travel industry but uh, before we get to that, we first as we do for every episode in case this is your first time listening, Let's dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week. And we begin with the federal mask mandate on planes and public transportation was extended by one month to April 18th. You know, I kind of thought we'd get an 11th hour news dump um, sometime (laughs) this week. But uh, they actually went ahead and announced it early in a week in advance there. So how about that? Uh, Rhonda, your thoughts on this decision? Have you heard anything from clients about this and uh, what people are, are talking about?
1: You know, I haven't really heard a lot of information from clients or concerns, but I'm not really surprised by um, that being extended a little bit. Um, It is nice to see a lot of things changing suddenly. So I think we're moving in a positive direction with that. So I think over the next uh, three or four weeks, I think we're going to see even more changes.
0: Yeah, this should be the end of the mask mandate here. I was hoping yeah. that it would be, you know, the March 18th deadline one, but right. they extended it and it is what it is. You know, it's it's interesting because the CDC is recommending that, you know, like 90% of the country in America here can not wear masks indoors and everything, but then you extend the the plain one, so but you know, I think I think there would have been a lot more uproar too if this had been extended to like June 18th or something. People would be like, right. "Whoa, whoa, whoa." But you know, one month yeah. you're just like, ah, let's get it over with, come on. So I'm exactly. waiting for the I'm waiting for the news that they stop the testing on return since a lot of I other destinations are, are doing that too. But um I do feel for the flight attendants out there. Um yeah. much love to them. One of my, my cousin is one of them and She's not thrilled about uh, mask mandate stuff. So um, the TSA actually did announce today they um, they had fined 922 people, a total of $644,398 for not wearing wow. masks on public transportation since February of 2021. So obviously you take that back into wow. 2020 when things were really heated. Um, that number is definitely higher for sure over the last wow. two years, but it is what it is. We'll, we'll get through it and one more month yeah. of it and uh, be all right. One
1: more month is just... Four more weeks, so you know, I mean, we've done this for two years now, so let's just just
0: right. a little bit longer, so just roll no, on with it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, in, in other air travel news, the air travel demand was off to a good start in early 2022, and US airports actually had their third busiest day of the pandemic era on Friday, March 11th, as just under 2.3 million passengers were screened by the TSA. So, spring break bookings have uh, been going pretty well, it appears. Um, For the early going here,
1: very busy with spring break and summer vacation. You know, we're even starting a lot of festive bookings, uh, especially with the um, pricing of, you know, the whole surge of gasoline pricing. We're getting more inquiries. We're wanting to really secure those airline tickets now before things get a little bit crazier. I think.
0: Yeah, now is definitely the time to book. Um, The Russian invasion in Ukraine is definitely impacting. Um, interest in air travel to europe at the time and you you mentioned fuel costs they are rising and which is going to lead to more expensive flights for future tickets Um, according to scott's cheap flights despite the ongoing recession a time you would expect airfare to fall as airlines try to woo travelers who are tightening their belts as they say Um, average airfare actually spiked 20 percent because the airlines passed 60 percent of higher fuel prices onto consumers so ron how do you think advisors can combat you know the rising cost in flights as they try to sell more travel
1: You know, it's a tough one because I think there's just so many elements of this, but I think what we have to do is we have to, even if we're dealing with that um, price increase, we have to let our clients know that what we can provide will help offset that price difference. Um, Just knowing, I think that we're here to help them. Um, We hope that they can understand that, uh, you know, these are unfortunate situations and there's no way we can combat it right now and, you know, help them with savings. But uh, you know, letting them know that as a travel advisor, we've got their backs and we're still going to be able to provide an exceptional service and uh, experience for them.
0: Great advice there. So, and wrapping up the airline news sector uh, segment here, um, there was a new uh, best airports in the world ranking. Singapore (laughs) took the number one spot. Atlanta was fourth overall, uh, which is the highest uh, rated U.S. airport though. So Ronnie, you're a world traveler. What are some of your (laughs) favorite airports that you've been to?
1: Oh, this is a tough one. Um, I, Dubai is amazing. I mean, that's just kind of self-explanatory. Um, I I have a love-hate relationship with London Heathrow because okay. uh, everybody knows how busy it is, and you better have ample time to change, um, you know, change flights. And but I, I I'm a Fortnum and Mason. Tea drinker. So I'm always excited when I have enough time to go stock up on my favorites when I'm in here. Oh, there you go. Um, But I think my favorite, though, is um, the island of Hawaii in Kona. Because when you step off that plane and you see this tiny little airport as you're walking across the tarmac, it's just, there's just something special. And it's not, it just, you can feel that it's not chaotic like a larger airport. Um, But I just feel like it just, it's like a vision of vacation okay. because it's
0: yeah. simple yeah. yeah a little different spin there so listeners yeah. out there let me know your favorite airports uh yeah. podcast at com is the email to reach out um i'm very biased with atlanta um so that's my <laughs> that's my uh, home port, obviously, so uh, definitely love that airport out there, and um, I enjoy the Amsterdam Been airport, I've been, the airport, um, I've been that one a couple times, and I really like that one, and um, I hear so much about Singapore, but I was, like, only there for a brief moment, so yeah. I, I know it's highly rated, it's always highly rated, and I definitely want to spend more time there, because I do want to get back to Singapore but when I went, I was, we were in there, um, we flew like super late at night. So we were like stuck in one area and so I didn't really get to experience all of it. So that was a, a bit of a bummer there, but you know, that's, you, you take the, the bad with the good sometimes and just uh, look forward to getting back there someday.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm next month I'm headed to the Middle East and uh, I'm making a stop in Istanbul and I've heard some really great, um, stories about the Istanbul, uh, airport. So it sounds like it's an exciting one and like, Lots of changes, so I'm excited to uh, visit that one
0: next month. Nice, yeah. So transitioning over to destination news now. Several destinations have um, updated COVID-19 travel requirements and protocols. The UK, Belize, the U.S. Virgin Islands, France, and South Korea are all easing entry protocols to varying degrees. You can check out more of that information on TravelPulse.com, South Korea lifting the quarantine, which is huge. You know, um, Asia is starting to finally reopen, which is really good. Plus, um, Hawaii is going to lift its mask mandate starting March 26th. They become the last U.S. state to do so. And the Mexican state of Quintana Roo, where Cancun is, will lift its mask mandate for public places beginning in April. So, Rhonda, definitely some great news to see on the entry requirements getting easier. Do you think it will lead to a surge in bookings for summer travel period? You know, you mentioned you know spring I break do. already looking good and... It appears more and more destinations are going to be getting closer to that 100% restriction-free line. So it should be a busy summer, right?
1: Oh, there's no question. I mean, I think people are there's still a lot of people that have not traveled since pre-COVID, and that they're anxious to get out there. But a lot of people, you know, may have issues with wearing a mask, health related, you know, health related issues that they, it's not comfortable for them, or you know, there's just so many factors with this. But I feel like um, as these things are starting to drop, I'm I'm already seeing a tremendous increase in inquiries and uh, and just not having to do so much paperwork and worrying so much about all these details. I mean, I, I think that the restrictions will just make it so much easier and everybody is ready for simplicity again.
0: Absolutely, yeah. You take away those extra steps that people are concerned about and they're going to be mm-hmm. more likely to jump at it. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited for Asia to, to get to there. Obviously, you know, mm-hmm. Europe is... Um, Going to get there faster, and then obviously we know, you know, Caribbean and Mexico have been booming um, in business and and everything. So the Cancun airport, when I went a couple of weeks ago, was just crazy crowded uh, when yeah. I landed, and I I have a colleague that was there just this past weekend and said the same exact same thing. So it's I mean it's going to be crowded in those spots, and you know if you can afford to do some of this extra paperwork and extra tests or anything to get out to Asia now, then you're probably going to have you know a less crowded experience, and maybe you know for some people they would much rather have that. So it should be interesting to see what sort of summer bookings can get out to Asia, but I'm sure yeah, Europe's going to pick up a little bit. Obviously the, you know, the, the war is impacting things a bit on that front, but it is definitely nice to see um, a lot of places dropping those restrictions and making things easier.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. We've got um, several clients starting just uh, ahead to Europe here in the next couple of weeks. So we've been getting a lot of questions and concerns and, you know, we provide what we can. I mean, it's just, it's like when COVID started, you know, it's just a fluid situation. You just kind of have to go from what information and facts you have at that point in time. But, um, you know, our clients, you know, they want to travel and, uh, you know, so far we're looking good and we're just hoping that everybody can, you know, just have a great time. And, um, uh, you know, hopefully the situation will ease here shortly and, um, but that one in history
0: books. <laughs> yes, I agree. So moving on $80. over to cruise news. On Monday, the CDC lowered the COVID nineteen travel health notice for cruise ships to level two, which is a moderate risk. Uh, back in mid February, the CDC moved it to a level three, which was advising against cruise travel for those who are not fully vaccinated or those who are at incre- increased risk of severe illness. So now they're only saying it's a moderate risk to cruise. Um, Rhonda, your, your thoughts on this decision?
1: I, I think it's a good thing. Um, I, am a little surprised, um, uh, a little more relaxed than I was thinking it would be at this point. Um, just because I know in the beginning there was such a, you know, fury of confusion and, uh, the cases on board each ship, you know, I think back, you know, I was supposed to be traveling, uh, back in February and 48 hours prior to sailing, you know, we get called, Hey, you know, breakouts and so they canceled sailing so i'm hopeful that um things are easing better in that for cruisers so because i know because you've got so many people there and the last thing you want to do when you're hanging out with a ton of people on a cruise ship is have that mask and uh you know it just hopefully hopefully we're uh, moving forward <laughs>
0: Yeah, we're, we're getting there. You know, the CDC has definitely been harsher on the cruise industry than yeah, elsewhere out there. And they are recommending and, and urging passengers to be vaccinated before they do go on a cruise and saying that if you right. are unvaccinated, you should wear a mask. So that's their recommendations. And obviously, cruise lines have... Um, they vary across the sector as far as what sort of mask policies they do. That's why you should work with a travel advisor Mm -hmm. out there. I actually had somebody uh, reach out to me about Europe and I had another person reach out to me about cruise stuff um, and questions and all this, because they know I work in travel. And I'm like, yeah, I'm glad to answer this for you, but let me direct you to a travel advisor so you can stop asking
1: me. (laughs) Well, it's all changing so much. And that's, I think the one thing that we've learned since all this started is the value of what we can provide. And you know, we may not know the answers, but you know, we can do our best to provide what's current. And I work with my clients when I book their travels, I I give them what the current situation is, but I always advise things that can easily change on a moment's notice. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I really don't go into much detail of what paperwork, um, what testing protocols until we get maybe a month or so out, um, because I don't want to overwhelm people thinking they have to do all of these steps, especially if it's an easier destination like Cancun or Cabo or the Caribbean to get to versus, you know, going to China. We, I have a um, client that went to China. She's going to go, she actually, she moved there and arrived yesterday. And the, um, the hurdles she has had to even just get over yeah. To get on that plane were unreal, and now that she's going to have to quarantine um, for three weeks in a hotel room. So, so, I mean, it's it's just each one is different, and so and things change there a little bit too. But you know, like we just keep them up to date with what's happening at that point in time, and just tell them you know they've got to be flexible, and people are really good at it.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing too with cruising. they there have been some protocol changes and, and things yeah. like that over the last two years. Well, not two years because for for a year they they just didn't sail at all. But not so the last year, I guess. But part, um, part yeah, so I'm glad that it is down to a moderate risk in the eyes of the CDC, and I think yeah. that bookings should continue to boom there for uh, cruises. Um, but. Will the size of the ship matter to people out there? So we did have um, Royal Caribbean's Wonder of the Seas, the new world's largest cruise ship out there. Just finished its inaugural cruise. Set sail on March fourth out there, and uh, I had a freelancer uh, for Travel Pulse on board who loved his experience out there. You can check a photo tour guide of the ship up on TravelPulse.com. So Royal Caribbean is all about the big ships, though their previous the previous world record or world's largest ship was also a Royal Caribbean ship. Symphony of the Seas, which I was able to sail on for the christening on that, which was a really fun experience. But this one, mm-hmm. Wonder of the Seas, is even bigger, close to seven th- just under um, 7,000 passengers it can hold, which wow. is massive. So, uh, But then on that uh, Wonder of the Seas inaugural sailing, though, they held a press conference and a freelancer tipped me off about this, that um, Royal Caribbean actually plans to build the next one even bigger. So oh they they confirmed that, and which is crazy, you know? Like, does... Rhonda, what do you think about this? Does bigger equal better? Should cruise lines keep building these massive ships?
1: You know, I mean, I think there's a a point in time you're going to have to stop. Um, But that's my own feeling. Um, I'm, you know, I think there's an... I think some people like that because I feel like there's so much more for clients to do. Um, but some people don't want to do so much. Um, I mean, the demand is definitely there. There's no question. Um, but I mean, really how big can you get one of these ships is my question. You know I mean? How, what's going to be the maximum? Cause I remember, you know, you know, several years back when it was like, Oh, we can get 4,000 people on a ship and this 5,000. So, you know, how far are we going to be able to push this? Um,
0: One million passengers. No. Yeah. Um,
1: (laughs) I mean it's just like how how high can we actually go? So um but I think people think uh, think of them too is not just a vacation, but it's an entertainment complex, which is great, especially when you've got people who want to do so many activities on board.
0: Oh absolutely, yeah. There's 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 definitely there's definitely a market for it and you're gonna I mean people are gonna book those because they are massive and diehard cruisers out there love it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, me personally, I I agree, like how much bigger can you go? It's kind (laughs) of, I mean, I will say it's exciting. Just I'm excited to see like what they're going to like, what sort of limits (laughs) they're going to push. I get that. But, you know, like you said, you know, how far can you go? And I've said this a, a couple podcasts ago too. And when I talk about cruising is I'm one thing I would love to see them do is maybe not do so much bigger, but like bigger rooms, like, as yes. far as your standard cabin, yes. like expand it yes. out, like maybe don't focus. And that's, you know, sort of things you learn over the pandemic. You know, when you, a lot of people have been cruising with, um, with the lower capacity right now and right. Uh, loving that experience of not having as many people on board, even though it is a pretty big ship. So you could still do a big ship with the entertainment aspects of it, but maybe right. only do like 5,000 passengers at right. the max, but it'd still be the size of what a 7,000 passenger ship would be and you just have bigger rooms and people maybe book longer or things like that. Exactly. I don't know, I'm just throwing it out there but I no. uh, it'll be interesting to see where they go on that. Um as oh, far as this as that. far as I mean, ocean yeah. ocean cruises go, river cruises I think can only do so much just because of um, right. the aspect of, of slower cruising on, on rivers and uh, right. all the bridges and stuff that lock, so you have to go through and everything but um, I do love cruising in both rivers and oceans so it would be interesting exactly. to see how much bigger they're going to go and you know 10 years from now are you, are you we will we finally cap off at like world's <laughs> largest cruise ship or are these different lines going to try to outdo each other because it, mostly it's just been Royal Caribbean that has just you yeah. know t- kind of taken the crown on this uh, of world's largest so will anyone challenge them in the next ten years,
1: yeah. we shall be see. I'll be anxious to see that because you know, I mean, there's so many great cruise lines out there, but Royal definitely has that uh, mega ship uh, market. Yeah, kind of. I mean, they, yeah. they know they have. They it's a well organized uh, option for people to travel. I mean, if you like that, it is by all means you're you're gonna you're gonna get the value and you're gonna have an amazing time because Royal Caribbean does a great job.
0: They do. Kudos to them on that. So yep. that wraps up what has been trending in travel in the last week. Any additional thoughts, drop me an email podcast at travelpulse.com. So now let's dive into the theme of this week's show on how the last two years have shaped and changed the travel industry. So Rhonda, let me take you back to this time two years ago. Where were you? What were you up to? How was business doing in the early going of 2020 before lockdown?
1: Oh, that's ugly, ugly, ugly. <laughs> um. Because wasn't it two years today?
0: Um, This week, yeah. March 13th, I believe, was the exact date of the shutdown. Yeah.
1: So, you know, as a travel professional, we have so many opportunities to travel. Um, But sometimes those bucket list fam trips don't always come across very often. And mine finally did. And on March 15th, I was supposed to be leaving for my bucket list trip. And, and I remember we were so busy in January and December, January, even into February. And uh, we were, it was ridiculous. And I have a lot of clients in New York. And so they were hearing a little bit of the chatter about the virus at that point in time. And I'm here in the Midwest, so we weren't hearing it as much, but my clients out there on the East Coast were definitely a little more, um, like, Hey, what's up with this? So I, they were, they were troopers and, uh, we, we, yeah, what was it? I guess probably the first of March things started kind of happening. And then I just still remember that week. It's still kind of a blur because it, it was like, I had, I put myself into like a, um, just a numb state because you're doing nothing sitting there canceling and people are constantly calling you and texting you and emailing you like, what's going on? I don't know what to do. And, you know, I'm sitting here just like a machine because I don't have answers and and we can't, we couldn't even cancel things fast enough. You know, that's just how ridiculous it was. And um, I look back now and I'm like, nobody could even possibly imagine that something like that would even happen. And uh, fortunately, most of our clients were pretty patient. Um, Like I said, we were working as fast as we could. And and it was pretty much uh, probably 20 hours a day for a few days there just to get things taken care of. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was a numbing situation. And I think it's uh, most of us now still kind of feel numb and kind of are in disbelief. There's been two years of this craziness. Um, Yeah, yeah, I feel like
0: 2020 was was like super long, but 2021 just kind of flew by and now we're here in the middle of March. So uh, how did this... Yeah, it's like
1: 2021 didn't even exist, if that makes any sense. It's just like we just kind of skipped ahead in time um, because it was like everybody just, you know, didn't go anywhere. (laughs) So, but no, it was... It was just wild. So, uh, how, did yeah. of, uh,
0: how did the rest of how did the rest of twenty twenty shape out for you? When did you uh, things start to kind of pick back up for you and your business?
1: You know, it was interesting. I, I go, I went back and kind of looked at my numbers, and I still had bookings in March, in April, um, for even the summer. And you know, it's one of those things. You don't know, put the travel insurance on it. Whatever is it going to be covered? By COVID? You know, just yeah. a lot of unknowns. Um, but we were still booking a little. Um, but obviously, a lot of people who were we were already well into the planning stages, but had not booked anything. Those pretty much uh, were like, "Wow, um, let's you know." It depends a lot too with the destination. So, um, but the end, of, I'd say from like September on, we still had a solid book of business. That's great. I mean, yeah, obviously it wasn't up
0: to right. What yeah, pandemic time. Be.
1: But we had people who were ready to travel. Um, I was traveling within a week of airlines being back up in the air. Um, and uh, we traveled with our daughter and uh, she has special needs. So we wanted to make sure that it was safe for her to travel. because um, She's compromised. And so it was just a wild time because, you know, normally you're not having to call the pediatrician to say, hey. Is it okay if we take our daughter on an airplane? Um, but yeah, so I think whenever people saw me starting to travel, especially when my family was with me, I think there, there was a little bit more trust and uh, they felt a little more secure about taking some of these trips and adventures.
0: Yeah, and that kind of goes across industry wide for a lot of advisors out there. You know, they yeah. it was really hard at first, but once <laughs> they themselves were able to travel out there, that that did help their business um, from a lot of advisors that I've talked to out there. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of people decided to go away from this business and okay. get out of the travel industry, unfortunately um, in 2020, just cause they, they had to, there was right. no other option. Um, but then there, you know, in 21, we did see a wave of a lot of new advisors um, yes. joining in the business. So um, a lot of youth too. So that's, you know, good for, for the business. You see more people coming back and more, more selling. So it's, it's picking back up and everything, but you know, in the last is. two years have have been a wild ride, as you say, you know, but how do you think that the pandemic has forever changed the travel industry? What aspects, you know, from the last two years of you think will we'll reshape uh, the future of the travel industry as we move past this?
1: Well, you know, there's still the, you know, people are always saying, oh, travel agents still exist. Well, yeah, we've always been here. It's just a different, um there for a while when the internet was kind of the. Bu- do your own, you know, book your own travel. Um, it was a different era, but people a lot of people still did have a travel agent they would work with, and I, I feel like now um, people want to have the opinions, the guidance, the handholding um, of a travel professional, and uh, it's our job, which is now like three times as much work as we have before and thank goodness for planning fees and (laughs) such. Um, but it's just made it hard. I should say harder, but the amount of time we commit to a client is much longer. Um, but it's necessary right now.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's needed for, for right now. And as we move Mm -hmm. past it, you know, once the, as we talked about earlier in the show, you know, once the restrictions, you know, are lifted, worldwide it's just going to be a more seamless act of travel and yeah these these last two years have put so much value on the need to work with a travel professional and work with an advisor out there who can guide you and direct you and handle so much for you in case anything does go wrong and even when we're you know five years out of this and from Mm -hmm. now and you never know what could happen out there you want to have that advisor in your corner so you're not stuck on hold yourself or you're not stuck in a country wondering what the hell am I going to do how am I going to get back and all this and you know an advisor can kind of take care of that for you so I think Definitely putting the, the value on a travel advisor out there. Um, some uh-huh. other aspects I think too is the fact that you know you'll have more touchless aspects in in yes. in all of travel, whether that's cruise, airline, destinations, yeah. hotels. You know businesses out there, you're gonna see a lot of that. Um, I, I think hand sanitizer will still stay a thing of like stations, uh, at least for a couple yeah. of years. Maybe. maybe maybe you know five years from now, you might that might go away in a mask quantity thing, but at least the next uh, couple years, I think you'll still see that. And I honestly, I think when the mask mandate is lifted, you'll still see people wearing masks on planes. Um, oh, definitely. And, yeah. And, I think so too. In different settings too. So, cause I mean, people in Asia wear masks all the time. Uh, when <laughs> I went to Singapore, people were wearing masks and I was like, what is this? And I mean, that was the 2015, you know? And yeah, but it, so I think that you'll still see that in, in some capacity on, um, just, de- you know, depending on how people feel. I know that I myself have not, uh, gotten any sort of illness following uh, immediately following a trip. I know I'm a little nasally right now, as I mentioned earlier, but that's uh, yeah. I got that from a two year old who went to preschool <laughs> exactly. and brought it back home. So that's, that's new dad life for me. And, yeah, and exactly. I mean, parents out there know that for sure. So um, yeah. any, any behavior changes in how clients are thinking about travel that you've seen booking longer, spending more at the moment. Do you think that continues to last on?
1: Let me add one thing real quick with the um, forever change, you know, with industry, I think we're going to see a lot more um, planning fees and cancellation fees and changing fees um, on the agent side, because we've all learned, you know, I charged fees before on certain destinations that were a little bit more complex. Um, But now um, things have changed and we, we pride ourselves in having the knowledge and we want to help our clients, but we can't work for free. And, uh, I, I think clients are, you know, we have to go out and educate the clients on why we're charging a fee and, um, no, and and share the value of why these fees are in place. So I think that's going to be a big trend seeing more and more agents with planning fees and looking, just fees in general.
0: Yeah, I've seen it a little bit already, just from the last mm-hmm. year. And um, yeah. but there are still agents out there um, who I did, the agent I had on my podcast last week, Mandy, she's still sticking mm-hmm. by not traveling or not not traveling, not charging a fee for travel um, right. planning and everything. So it varies across the it industry, does. and I yeah. think more and more, like you said, will start to. But yeah, um, we'll have to see how well, that goes. And,
1: yeah, and like with the behavior part of it, and like how people are thinking. You know, I have some people they're like, I I want to you know I have points or I want to book my own, but they're willing to pay for my guidance um whether it's what they have to do paperwork wise or you know anything that i there's just so many ways that i think we're going to see more people just reaching out for different things um they just want that security of having a travel advisor so i mean we're we're booking a lot of europe a lot of europe um river cruises that's been very popular lately um you know, obviously Cancun, Cabo were top destinations um, and uh, Hawaii. So, I mean, we're, people are traveling. I mean, they those are our big destinations, but people are, you know, they're wanting to travel. They have much higher budgets than normal and we're seeing more and more multi-generation travel, a lot more of that.
0: So, that's I great. Think and I think we'll that'll, that yeah. I think that will remain a, um, a strong trend, you know, I post-pandemic yeah. as well. Of I, think, you know, full yeah, time. I mean,
1: I, th- I think people are ready to get out there. And as these other things are starting to disappear, with the masks and such. And again, when you mentioned the CDC earlier for the return test, I think that's going to be like the that'll be the, a very pivotal point um, with this. Once we don't have to test to come back to the United States.
0: Oh yeah. Get your phone lines ready out there. Travel advisors exactly, It's going to pick people, up as soon as that announces yeah, for sure. So, yeah. um, <laughs> but any, it's
1: just some major pain. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: And any final advice uh, for travel advisors out there to move past this pandemic?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, take each day at a time. And uh, I, I get up every morning and i Before I read the travel news, I always try to read something positive. And, you know, it's one thing I've learned in life is we never know what's going to be around the next quarter. And I'm definitely living proof of that. So um, surround yourself with positive people. Find your network of agents that you can trust and just be positive, even when you've had a crappy day, because we all have them, you know, still remain positive because we've made it this far. And we're two years since the world shut down.
0: Amen. Amen. I love that. Yes, I'm all about that as well. So thank you so much, Rhonda. I really appreciate you. I know you're super busy. Uh, Thank you for taking time out of your day to, to jump on the podcast here.
1: Of course. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks again to Rhonda so much for joining and talking all things trending news and how the travel industry has changed. Any thoughts you'd like to pass on? podcast at travelpulse.com is the email let me know how things have been for you over the last two years and what you're looking forward to coming up as we get on past this pandemic i'm looking forward to a lot of future trips coming up and i hope you have the same enjoy the rest of your week folks have a good one thanks for listening